Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. Today, I'm so honored to have what I consider one of my best friends, a person I got to meet later in life professionally. And it's funny how we meet professionally and we develop personal relationships. Honestly, one of the finest human beings that I know, Mr. Cole Neal. Cole, welcome to The Chosen Life. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is uh, very exciting. <laughs> We're, we're actually, it's kind of funny and ironic because uh, you spend quite a bit of the time behind the scenes on The Chosen Life. Yes. Whenever we're doing an in-person video shoot, as in our studio here, yeah. it's with you. Yeah, yeah. Usually I'm stuck behind a little room back there, switching, make sure the audio is good, trying to figure this all out. <laughs> so we've turned the tables on you because it's funny. In a future episode, we're going to have the, the tables got turned on me, yeah. where in fact you interviewed me for the first time on the show. And people get to see that. But today we're turning tables on you where you're coming out from behind the camera and you get to experience the life in the limelight as the guest on The Chosen Life. The, the lights do seem a little more blinding than when I set them up. <laughs> it's kind of like that feeling, you know, when uh, you have a car and somebody drives your car and you're sitting in the passenger seat or the yes. back seat. And it just feels so odd. Yes. That's how it's going to feel right now for a little while. <laughs> but I, I rode on the back of my motorcycle one time. That This is what that feels like. <laughs> Way scarier than the car, but yeah. Um, honestly, so grateful when we got together because it was so, you know, it's funny how the universe kind of works. So I'm starting up a podcast, speaking to friends of mine and figuring out as far as a videographer and studio space and everything else. Yeah. And I'm told uh, by a common friend of ours who's in the real estate business, real estate broker, yeah. uh, he lets me know, uh, I guess we can say, Mr. Lahab Resnick of yeah. Forest Hill Realty. Thanks, Lahab. <laughs> Big shout out to you. And he told me, this is the guy, you got to speak to Cole. Cole is the man. So Cole and I get on the, on the horn, we start speaking. Yeah. And ironically, I'm going to be starting up a podcast and you're starting up a podcast space. Yeah. And we came together literally yeah. at the exact moment as we're both starting up our ventures. Yeah. How ironic that that worked out. Yeah, both of us are like a few months out wanted to you want to do your first episode and I wanted to have my face space finally completed. I think I just signed a lease for like a small unit and uh yeah, it was just you helped build every step of the way, every problem we came across, we solved, we figured it out. It's been good. We're still getting better. There's more stuff every day. <laughs> well, if you think about our evolution, right? So the yeah. first time we ever shot live was not even in this location. It was mm -hmm. in your other location. I was so nervous. That was the Terry episode, the Jeff Day uh, honoring uh, episode. Yeah. Um, and we, we had that. That was the one episode in that one space. So if people are going back and watching all the, our old archives, yeah. it was in our first, I think, seven episodes. And then from there, you brought the new space. We had it at the podcasting uh, high table. Yeah, yeah. And each step of the way, I kept telling you, you know, we need to have a talk show set. It's very, very important. I kept sending you pictures yeah. of the Ellen set, yeah, the yeah. Oprah set. And yeah, I'm telling Oprah. you, we need a talk show set. And here we are. We're in the talk show set. Yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, beautiful. I like it. <laughs> I, I was so impressed that we have an image in our minds mm -hmm. and then you're able to produce it in reality. And that's one of the things I got to tell you, working with you as a professional mm -hmm. is you take the feedback seriously mm -hmm. and we talk about something conceptually the same day or next day you're on it. Yeah. You're finding the equipment, whatever it takes, and it happens. Yeah, it's exciting. The problem solving of all of this is like, I don't think of myself as the most creative person. But I do really think of myself as like a problem solver. And like when you say, oh, hey, there's this, this and this, it's like, OK, like how fast can I figure it out? What's the best way? Like, how does it work? How do we make it work? So that, that's where the real fun is, I think, in, in being a businessman and taking pride in what you do. 
One of the first things I remember, we, are, we had our first conversation after our first taping. We had never met before, and this was our first time in person. Yeah. And I remember we sat and we talked for like two hours and caught up, got to know each other, realized we had a lot of similar interests, yeah. watches, yeah. tennis. Yeah. And one of the first things I told you as I got to know you, I said to you, you're going to be huge. I can just tell this right away. You have that formula. You have that drive. Mm-hmm. Please, no matter how big you get, don't forget me because I'm going to be a little guy compared to you at the end of the day. So please always remember me as we grow together. And you said you would honor that and you have. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I think we're both big. You've uh, you've taken this so seriously, like even from day one that uh, like I've always been a content creator like the last 10 years, like I've done YouTube. I used to make videos every day. There's people that would come in and and kind of half-ass it and, and you could tell like it wasn't in it and you like had like a level like a lawyer level of organization on on a passion it's just like it, it it made sense and i could tell like you really know what you're doing and are trying and constantly researching so i know you're you're going to keep growing and, and this is going to you're going to keep getting more and more famous people on you're going to get more and more star stardom or more fame yourself uh so hopefully you don't forget me either <laughs> well you um interesting little fact just so you note because we met before the first episode ever launched before i even had my first taping we were you and i were on the horn talking with each other before it even existed like it was it was in conceptual mode Mm -hmm. and ready like we're doing all the background stuff as far as the logo and uh, the outlay and getting everything ready that when we're actually gonna have our first episode we got the whole formula down and when we talked about it and then we met and I told you kind of my ideas of where I was going with it, you're like one of the only people that didn't tell me I was crazy, mm. that it's not going to work. I can tell you that most people that knew me or kind of knew me, when I kind of told them where I was going with it, they thought I was absolutely mad. They said, yeah, okay, like you're a lawyer. Yeah. Why aren't you talking about lawyering stuff? And you're going to talk about lifestyle stuff, really? And they kind of get, all gave me that kind of crooked look. You had this glimmer in your eye yeah. and you having done content yourself because mm-hmm. you were a YouTuber streamer. Yeah. So you knew kind of the background of it. And when I expressed to you like kind of my game plan, you gave me the thumbs up and I really appreciated that. Well, it was good too, because even when I had questions and I was like, usually when someone comes to me and, and says something, usually they're more asking, you're kind of sharing. And then, I, and then I might ask you something and then you'll say something and you have an answer for it. And then I'm like, oh, just think of this. And then you give me another answer with another. And I can see you thought like five steps ahead. And so even like when you say as simple as it's not going to be all lawyer stuff, but, you know, I will plug it in and, and it will work and it will make sense. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm, I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, well, who wants to hear about law all day? And like, you're absolutely right. Like you can have a blog on your site where people want to learn law all day who go to law school. But if you want to just entertain people, tell stories, give thoughtful advice, and then they need a lawyer. Well, here you are but it doesn't need to be all about that. I can tell you that uh, having as many in-person appointments as I've had pre-COVID, yeah. back in the day when we actually met people in person before we were doing everything virtually, yeah. I can tell you that 95 to, 90% of my, 95 to 99% of my appointments, mm-hmm. when I connected with people, it wasn't over real estate. It wasn't over transactions. Yeah. We always found a point of commonality Mm-hmm. where they said oh wow i love your sneakers are you a jordan one guy or we talk yeah. about watches or we talk about tennis or we talk about cars or we talk about anything sports under the sun yeah and something either i related to something they said or they were or did or went traveling something like that or mm-hmm. vice versa and then when we had that connection point we got along yeah and my thinking was on the podcast side of it just mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing when you're doing an appointment yeah. But share that kind of information with everybody and now connect with people on a greater scale, mm-hmm. plus motivate people 
yeah. educate them and let's have fun you know yeah let's not take ourselves so seriously and so there's very little topics if any that are off limits i'll go there on yeah. any level yeah as long as people understand you know who they are what they're coming aboard they're cool with it yeah but i feel like also i want the people to feel like they're sitting with us at the table like yeah. what you and I are talking right now, mm -hmm. we've connected many, many times, but they could be easily sitting with us right now and they're asking questions, you're answering them. That's how we all feel connected. Yeah. And if I can't feel connected with somebody, generally, I, I won't want to bring them on the show because I don't want to waste people's time and I don't, it won't feel genuine. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to do this when you yeah. actually know the person, you already know you have a connection point, then yeah. it's fabulous. When you're meeting for the first time, like sometimes people uh, that are even on stage yeah. for a living, yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, these people read scripts for a living. They run lines all the time. This is going to be the easiest interview on the, on the planet. And yeah. they give me one word answers. Uh, and I'm like, what? Uh, tell me more. Tell yeah. me more. Tell me more. <laughs> it's, it's not so easy. Yeah, I've been in there for, for a few of those. And I guess it surprises you. Has, there any, has anybody been like super quiet that like give you the opposite? Like, okay, you bring someone on that seems like a huge personality and then it's just one word. Has there anybody that surprised you with like how talkative or... or uh, more insightful or more entertaining has anybody yeah i definitely has um yeah. more in, more in the respect that i didn't know where they're going to go with stuff for example like okay. I, did, I did not realize the scale of the stories for example mm -hmm. um it's not that they're from the personality standpoint like i'm shocked like oh they're telling me more and more and more but more like all of a sudden they, they, we hit on something and i'm like wow like for example uh talking with steve carsey on, on the baseball series i do the chosen yeah. journey yeah. and we're talking about his time in texas mm -hmm. and then he met and i'm bringing up people's names that he played with he's like oh i used to have a locker beside that guy interesting story about that and the guy actually used to carry a bag into the locker room every day <laughs> and then he talks about the fact that the guy had a python snake in the bag and he didn't even realize it <laughs> that was interesting yeah or when I had the uh, Better Call Saul uh, singer, Little Barry, yeah. and we were, we were interviewing, and, and we had a good interview. Like, he was a really interesting guy telling his story, nice, real nice dude, hard to get him from the UK. Yeah. And as we're polishing off the interview, mm -hmm. this was a recent one, actually, and I said to him, you know, you were just touring, I believe, Ireland, Australia, you came back, uh, how was it with the band? He goes, oh, I wasn't uh, touring with the band, actually, I was touring with uh, Liam Gallagher. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really, where are you now? Oh, we should definitely go there. I'm like, uh-huh. So how was Liam? Yeah. How did you get connected with Liam? So that kind of stuff. You like you don't expect that information. Yeah. And then when let's say there were shorter answers before, now you've hit a point of something really interesting. Plus, they're excited. That's the perfect formula. Then it okay. then it can go till the end of time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you've done this yourself. You were uh, on YouTube uh, before it was a thing. And uh, you know better than anybody else. Like you tell you tell me, like uh, how did you find the game in YouTube back in the day, and how come you didn't? What was your decision not to continue uh, streaming? I think YouTube, the way I saw it, um, one like it was kind of nobody gave me that glimmer of hope. Like there was a couple of people. There was one guy, Casey Neistat. He would make videos every day, and and he already had a business. Like he already had something to share. I think the hardest thing for me of like. Well, one, how I got into it is uh, I just I saw a couple of creators and I really liked the idea of like, oh, I can make a video. I can have an outlet. I'm a pretty quiet kid. Um, this uh, it was cool, like uh, whether it's something that happened in, the, in social life or in business or a struggle you're going through and maybe you're arguing with people. If you have this outlet where you have 100 percent say 
of what it is and its full freedom it was really cool to have that and then um what i had dreamed about was oh one day maybe uh people will pay me for to to do what i want to do and it, it was scary when i first picked up a camera i was like okay if i want to like uh, i don't know as a kid growing up broke um you know, six figures is the number like you, you got in your head like oh i want to make six figures i want to make six figures and i was like okay well how do i make six figures as a photographer or videographer that's a scary thought when you have a thousand dollar point and shoot camera and uh and nobody will give you twenty dollars <laughs> um so i said okay like you got to be the best uh, like some of the best like top one percent or whatever it is I, I best in the world to make six figures surprisingly in photo and video and marketing, it is a lot easier to make six figures than you would think. Like you just maybe as a kid, you don't see how much uh, money is wrapped around marketing and, and imagery and everybody needs that stuff. But um, so I was I was too scared about that and said, hey, let's do um, uh, let's try and get paid for the storytelling, for my reach, for my engagement. And I wanted to be an influencer before that word was a thing. And uh, people looked at me like, I was crazy. Uh, I was like, yeah, I want to get paid to like make these videos, doing things and sharing them with other people. And um, it was a lot of hard work. And uh, and I, this, this is where I was saying of Casey Neistat, he had a business. He already sold a show to HBO, like a six parter. And I think him and his brother made like millions of dollars. Now I feel like I want to get back into it because now at 29, I've got a few businesses, I've got my real estate license um, and just photography and videography and in gear, I know more, I have more to share as opposed to when I was like 20 to 25, I didn't really know much. I just wanted to to have that influence, but I had nothing to really garner any attention, any stories to tell, any um, victories to share or roadmaps to share. So. Well, we're about to jump into the photo video part of it, but I got to ask you one more question on the influencing part. Yeah. You were sharing with me your big video, the one that hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many hits did it get? And can you describe it a little bit? Because it, it was a real life scenario video that you streamed and that's the one that went. Oh, the, the fire one. The fire one, yes. Yeah, the fire yes, one. the fire yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, I did I did good. I think uh, a property tour video did really good. It was like an $8 million like log home. But uh, no, the first video that like really took off... Uh, was okay so just so i'm not a total psychopath um i used to carry a camera every day with me all the time i had my camera it had a little tripod underneath it and a shotgun microphone and it was with me everywhere um like no matter what even if i was drunk at a bar i it, it was right next to me on my bed um so i wake up one day uh and i hear oh i'm napping it's like 6 7 p.m it's like cold outside so it's maybe this time of year maybe a little later and there's like some screaming and there's some commotion. And I go look out my window. So I'm living on Euclid Avenue in Toronto. Um, and uh, we're in the top two floors of a house. Uh, I'm on the uh, second floor. Mom and grandma are living on the third floor. Uh, first one's rented out to someone else. So we're just renting. And um, I look out the window uh, and there's a bunch of smoke. And all my neighbors are outside. And people are screaming and freaking out. And uh, I look down and my camera's already rolling like uh so this is just uh, a reaction at that point like i know how to use a camera like um, you know how to use your eyes like if i need to get a shot i can it doesn't take me out of the moment so i'm filming that happens i start screaming at my mom there's a fire there's a fire now mind you we have five cats um one cat had kittens uh and we didn't want to separate them but anyways uh that gets into it um we uh, i scream for mom mom and grandma start coming down i'm out and my grandma is upstairs and is like a cat lady. She doesn't want to come out. Um, she's trying to find her baby and mom is screaming. I'm nervous. I go run up. Um, Camera's still rolling the whole time? 
Camera is still rolling. I, I finally cut it out as I'm going up in there because I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so the last thing you see is like, I think uh, I'm outside. Uh, like we see the fire as we're coming out. It's scary. All the neighbors are there. Um, I think I tried to use fire extinguisher and somebody said like, we're not supposed to. We spoke to the fire trucks like they're around the corner. Um, so I run up and then my, I've never heard my mom yell at me like this. Uh, maybe when I was a kid. Oh, I when I was like 10, I ran across the street and uh, I almost got hit by a truck. And that was the last time I, I heard her yell my name like this. She was just nervous because sometimes people go back into the building and then they never come out. Um, so it gets to me like grandma's really not coming out until she gets this cat. So I, I, I come out and uh, grandma comes out like a few minutes later. And luckily, you know, everybody was fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was all on film. My You're like still going the whole time. The camera's rolling the yeah, whole time. The There's a fire. Rolling. Grandma's running. Everybody and you filming yeah. it. And then, and then after I, I filmed a little thing, like like kind of like the end of the video, because like I filmed my every day, every day. So this is just what was in the day. And uh, I think what really like made people lose it is, and this is the first part of the clip is like my so my house is on fire um it was already out but the fire truck lights are going so yes. it looks like there's a massive fire behind me uh, but yeah so that video got i think a few hundred thousand um videos and this is back still when i like wasn't really making money from videos so and I, this is on youtube yeah it's on youtube okay uh, if you look up youtube amazing did you call it the cool witch project or no. uh it's just uh what was it? I, I think it was uh, arsonist set my house on fire because uh, that was the the thing. I we thought it was uh, somebody left a cigarette, but some guy yeah. left uh, set seven fires that night, and they found him in an alleyway. And well, so uh, it was an actual arsonist. So you did, this arsonist. was not bait click. Like it was yeah, actual. Yeah, yeah. Like he, we found out he set seven fires that night, and uh, a few years later, I got a call. Um, I think with some of my footage again, um, saying that uh, he was convicted of murder. Um, uh, a few years later, this guy. Amazing. Did you ever go visit him? Does he know you at all? No, I hope. <laughs> I hope he doesn't see this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but but, uh, but it also it goes to show you a few hundred thousand people yeah. are going through YouTube. Yeah. Like arsonist set up my house on fire. Oh yeah, I gotta get right on this. That, oh, it was but, nuts. But, and uh, yes. and it like got to the front page of Reddit because I posted it on there. Like I was still kind of like cloud chasing and stuff like that. But yes. I, I was just sharing my life. And and that's what happened. And it actually got me a job with uh, with Yahoo. They uh, they liked my style of video, and I, I sold the footage to a few news outlets. And uh, I uh, I since did some videos for a couple of news things. So Cole, how early in life did you realize that you were going to be a photo video guy? Like whenever I speak to somebody that's really made in a profession, mm -hmm. uh, in, in where they're at, like I, I always think to myself, how soon did they know? So were you basically like with a camera by the hip at, at four years old, or was this something? In the teenage years, like what initially brought you to cameras, videos, and to find this lifestyle? I, I think I was lost up until like 24, 25. Um, I think like 22 is like when I first started. But looking back, it was kind of like clear as day. My favorite video game was Pokemon Snap, where you take photos of Pokemon on this thing. And I uh, don't know what that means. <laughs> I know Pokemon. So Pokemon is, is this looking for Pokemon or? <laughs> no, this is uh, you get on this little roller coaster and um, and it goes very slowly and you can look and it's almost like a VR game before VR was a thing. Oh. And you take photos and you got to like get photos of all the Pokemon instead of catch them like in the, the real game. And uh, and then also my grandma. Uh, You're making me feel very old cool, by the way, now. Because I don't know what Pokemon Snap. It was a very niche game. Like some people loved it, but everybody knows Pokemon. But of not course. many people know that game. So I know people looking for Pokemon on their phones and they gotta find Pokemon. That's yeah, a thing. yeah. But that's yeah. not Pokemon Snap. No, no. Okay. No. So this was just 
taking photos of the Pokemon. That was capturing it. And so it was funny to look back like, oh, one of my favorite games of all time was a photography game. Because if you asked me at 17 what I was going to be, it was not a photographer. It was not a videographer. I didn't know anything about like photo video. I had a little camera. Uh, my mom got me a DSLR when I was a teenager and I never used it. Um, so it was first video. I think video is still where my real passion is. So when I was a young boy growing up, I had a poster of Mr. T on my wall. Yeah. That's what inspired me to do what I'm doing for a living. Yeah. So if I met him, I could tell him, hey, Mr. T, by the way, you really inspired me to do stuff with my life. Yeah. Pokemon did the same for you at the end. Uh, I think so. I, I think it, my, my Mr. T was, as a teenager, seeing Casey Neistat, like, good role model. Like, yes. worked relentlessly, like, seemed impossible. Apparently got up at five filmed this whole day somehow edited for like three hours in between it and posted that and you'd see the video go up at nine amazing storyteller very insightful that was my like oh shit like i want to be like that guy it's funny that uh, you you know you say that and you can see the glimmer in your eyes like how excited you get yeah and when we you and i first connected on our first first in-person conversation what i could see was what i was saying was exciting you and motivating you to all of a sudden do more but as you're telling me your stories, I'm getting excited. I'm getting motivated. Yeah. So you and I are enablers to each other, yeah. but like in a good way. Yeah. You know, like there's bad enablers where they're like, oh, you know, should I go buy this or should I go have another drink? They're like, yeah, buddy, go for it. You know, <laughs> yeah, those exactly. are the scary enablers. We actually enable each other for motivation purposes. And that's, yeah. I think, why we connect so well as friends. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, like, I don't know if I know anybody who works harder than you. Like you literally work 24 hours a day. You're always doing something or yes. planning something or getting into another industry or finding another industry. Like you got yes. your hand in a lot of different pots at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I commend you because I've worked with a lot of video guys in my life. Yeah. And there's a lot of competition in your area, like all of our areas, like yeah. podcasting, there's a lot of competition, real estate law, there's lots of competition, but that doesn't phase you because man, you're really good at what you do. Word of mouth spreads really quick. Yeah. And, you know, before you know it, you're jammed, you know, and yeah. I got to tell you, there's a reason why, mm -hmm. because working in the city with you, photo and video, yeah. you knock it out of the park every time. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, I feel like I finally made it like success to me was I can do what I want when I want. And yeah, I, I people please and I have all these businesses. But the fact that I get to wake up and do whatever the fuck I want is amazing. Beep. Sorry for cursing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and my next milestone is like you know you're not I'm not chasing dollar figures but once I can finally like jump into these fields a little more fearlessly and like um, start more businesses uh, I think that's something I'm excited to like I, I have a few but they're all still requiring my help I can't wait to have you know maybe a million on the sidelines and hire a couple of people at will and like dispatch them on crazy ideas I have like that's what my next level of success is going to be what I find very funny are for the layman out there that is not in our, in, in our respective industries. Yeah. But let's take, for example, photo and video. Mm -hmm. Somebody will call you for a quote and they're saying, hey, I heard, I heard of you from so-and-so mm -hmm. and really love to work with you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's funny how they do the dollars in their mind. And as a service industry, and I'll say, oh, I don't understand. I'm paying this guy $500, paying him $1,000, paying him $5,000. Mm -hmm. That's $5,000 going straight in this pocket. Mm -hmm. And... You and I working together and we've evolved. We've known each other now for, I think, close to a year. Yeah. And every single day, it feels like there's either a new employee, the staff is growing, the space is growing, mm -hmm. there's more equipment, there's another piece of equipment. And this is not just like a simple piece of equipment. Like this is sophisticated stuff mm -hmm. from the video photo end. And you're constantly reinvesting it in the business, growing yeah. the business. 
And I don't think always that people appreciate, you know, it's one thing when you're selling hard goods, like I'm selling Tide. Yeah. So I'm buying Tide for X amount of dollars from the wholesaler and now I'm selling it to you. There's a, there's a clear margin there. Yeah. When you're in the service industry, people don't get the infrastructure that has to get built up because yeah. they have to understand there's space, mm-hmm. there's rent, there's yeah. utilities, there's staff, there's equipment. There's a lot that gets invested. And the bigger you get, the mm-hmm. more infrastructure you have to carry. Yeah. So it's not so cut and dry, right? Yeah, that's the, the scariest thing. I think when I was smaller, like people still felt that way. Now people that met me when I was smaller still kind of think that way. But you got to understand. I've got a full-time executive assistant that needs to get paid and not that you call them an admin. So an admin has to get paid. An editor has to get paid. And these are people that unless you want to pay a lot of money, um, I have to give them a full-time wage. So I have to guarantee that. Or I pay a freelancer and it's an exorbitant amount of money. So either way, that cost gets passed down. So from a $500 little real estate video, it's uh, it was great when it was just me. But also I, I made some sacrifices only now that I realize as I'm hiring people that aren't like me, people that want to spend time with their child, people that want to have dinner with family. Like I, I would work 6 a.m. to midnight and uh, I'd give up dinners. I'd, it was just me. I was like, I, was just, I want the money, I want the money, I want the money. But now seeing what I was actually giving up, I thought I was super rich. It's like, no, I was just working the equivalent of three jobs or like what three average people work and getting paid bleh, for it. Like it was still good, but, it, but for one person it was great. But now seeing what you're giving up, like, outsourcing that stuff paying people what they need like a livable wage it, it adds to that final bill so even if i get a three thousand dollar video that goes pretty fast that doesn't pay for a lens that doesn't pay for a drone that doesn't pay for a week of payroll it, it goes fast yeah and i can tell you as a business owner i go through the same stuff especially because mm-hmm. we're both in real estate you know mm-hmm. you a lot a lot of your business is around photographing videos for real estate mm-hmm. and for mine it's closing real estate transactions yeah. And let's say I get paid $1,500 to close a real estate transaction, for example, and then yeah. plus HST and disbursement, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And what people kind of forget about, okay, so we have multiple locations. Even though we meet everybody in person, yeah. still got to carry three full-time offices. Yeah. Then you got your rent, you got your utilities, et cetera, 30 plus employees. Yeah. That, to me, what motivates me every morning, mm-hmm. I know there's 30 families that have to get fed. Yeah. And if there's no business, now 30 families are not getting fed. That's in the background. Yeah. But also people have to remember whenever you're running a business, the person who gets paid last is the business owner. Yeah. All the other overhead has to get paid. You know, it's funny because you read those financial books and they say, always make sure you pay yourself first. It doesn't work that way because especially when you're starting off a business yeah. or you're growing a business, mm-hmm. you have to invest almost every dollar back mm-hmm. if you want to see it growing. Yeah. You know, the most successful business owners that I know are the ones that don't see very much in their pockets for many, many years. but they're building up an infrastructure and then they're building towards something. But somebody who hopes to drain it very quickly will not have much to show for it. And it depends on your industry also. I mean, it's nice when you have word of mouth, certainly, but there are people that have to go and advertise, you know, and then advertising is very expensive. And also you don't know how much you're going to reach anymore. Like the people watching TV, Mm -hmm. you know, are they streaming? You advertise on the radio, magazines, internet, and it just never ends. Right. And it seems like, and, and, you know, every second, it seems like somebody's coming and asking for a dollar. I'll help you grow your business and I'll do this and I'll do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many opportunities for people to find your services as well or like the competition. So how much can you spend on marketing if you have to charge for that margin? There's other people that just don't do any of that and are on Google and then they search it and then they commoditize you and say, you're just like them. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I actually care and I'll be there for you. Like, I'm sure if, uh, you know, if you're not the cheapest lawyer, well, at least, you know, if something goes wrong, Knock on wood, 
you're there as opposed to that person that maybe charged you nothing is doesn't have the support staff to even like come to the rescue in the time that it takes so that's one thing like with our company is we're not cheap we're not the most expensive but i still have the resources of where if something happens it's a particularly hard shoot there's bad weather and we need to go back or whatever it is like i will solve that problem like there's no problem that i can't solve when it comes to marketing i've talked about this in other episodes before and, and it's across all industries mm-hmm. this day and age when you're dealing with suppliers one of the fr- you know people you know that want to get the last penny out and they try to squeeze mm-hmm. i tell them first of all do you realize how much of a value there is when you have a supplier mm-hmm. and they show up they schedule they show up mm-hmm. they do the work they do good work they stand behind it. If there's an issue, they're on top of it and they come back again. They don't see you as a one-off. There's a lot of value in that in this day and age because I could tell you no matter what area you're in, no matter what the supplier is, many people are like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll see you next Tuesday. You know what? I got to go hunting. You know what? Uh, something's come up. Uh, let's reschedule. I'll call you back. And they don't call you back. Yeah. Or they call you back later, maybe a week or two later. And you know they won't really give you a quote. And then all of a sudden circumstances change and it's like, it's very, very scary. Yeah. So that's where I always tell people, know in whatever industry you're in, when you have somebody you're working with and they give you the service you need, yeah. those people are gold, hold on to them for dear life. Yeah. You know, there's certain people I know I'm going to put in myself in the industry as a lawyer, mm-hmm. but you got a lawyer, accountant, videographer. These are people that are life under your business. You know, yeah. Yeah. I want those people happy and taken care of. And that's, uh, can I share a little secret with you about you then? Yeah, yeah. One of the things as far as, as I got to know you, yeah. every time I, I'm thinking of a scenario and I'm like, Cole, I'm thinking about doing this or Cole, I think I need this. And you're like, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. And yeah. I'm like, dude, you're a one-stop shop. It comes to real estate, basically. Yeah. I don't know if there's nothing you don't do. I mean, technically you're in real estate, assisting people that way. You're in property management, building apps, websites. Yeah. Like yeah. besides photographing and doing the video part of it. Mm. So for the clients that actually work with you and get to know your aspect, like you are really a one-stop shop with people. Yeah, when it comes to real estate and or marketing or real estate marketing, it's all that. Real estate license, own a brokerage, own a marketing company, know how to do 3D stuff, websites. It's It's been my life for like the last 10 years. And I, if, if there's something I don't know how to do, I really want to learn because it's just, I, I've come way too far to like quit problem solving now. <laughs> but like, the, the, the realtors that do work with you, yeah. they know you don't actively pursue it. Like very, yeah. very little you ever bring up the real estate aspect, even though you, no. you are in real estate. Yeah. But it's also, you come from a real estate family, right? Yeah. So my mom's a realtor. And I think the reason that all of this goes so well is like, I've been trained in real estate. I know how to do it. I really only do it for friends. I don't really like doing the sales. Um, so uh, I've helped mom with that forever. Mom's been licensed uh, as long as I can remember. I remember going to Liberty Village and helping her sell uh or helping her at the townhouse in uh, uh pirandello and uh going to these open houses from a young age so you know she was hammering into me like okay, toilet seats down cars out of the driveway make the bedrooms look big like uh, just all these rules that it, it didn't seem like i knew a lot until other realtors or people in the industry complained about something else i'm like oh i learned that when i was 16. <laughs> cool blows my mind when i've seen properties yeah. i've seen one set of photographs for it before yeah. You come in, there's no, you haven't repainted it, still yeah. the same furniture in there. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, but with your equipment and the way you stage it and put it together, it looks like a totally different place. Mm-hmm. It absolutely blows my mind. And it's not like it's taking you 100 hours to do this, mm-hmm. 
but you have that formula down. You see, I, I, and I, I visit with you before. I've seen you in action. Yeah. And you spot it, mm-hmm. your brain just goes into overdrive, and you the second you see it, you already see where you want to go with the space. Yeah. Is that something that you instinctively were born with, or is it something because of years of practice, or how do you do it? Because I, I, I marvel at the quality of your products. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing was it started out as a necessity. I started out not getting as many jobs as I wanted to. Like one company took a chance on me and uh, gave me some feedback, and I was a terrible photographer. And then um, I took the, I actually took the feedback so poorly. I, I said, kick rocks. And like, I, I just never responded to them. And then another company shortly after, um, gave me, but it was freelance. So I had to do good. I had to take feedback or else I wasn't going to get a job. I got one $60 shoot a week for like a few weeks. And, and I really had to show them They're like, no, like I'll do better. I'll figure that out. And then it was also, I didn't get paid for my, for my time. I just got paid for the project. So I had to do it fast. I had to do it well. Uh, I obsessed over it. And then, uh, Poor financial planning led me to like spending all my money right before winter and then it died. And then uh, I got two more jobs like for other companies and I made sure that everybody knew like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my own clients. I got your clients. There's other people I'm working with. I know how to like operate like in good faith. I'm not telling anybody about my company or theirs. And, uh, and so that got me through winter. And then when summer came, <laughs> I, I kept all three jobs. And so I, for a solid two years, like 16 hour days, just photo video, trying my best, learning it fast, learning the systems, problem solving. Um, that was another thing too. I shoot and edit. So that's how you really see like, oh, okay, if I messed up and they complain, that's one thing, but there's also little things that they don't see, but I'm like, oh, this could look better. So next time I shoot. So it's just practice, 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 you, you know, your 10,000 hours, that kind of thing. Well, it's a two part question comes to me as you're saying it, because meeting you Getting to know you, being friends with you, hanging out with you. I mean, we played pickleball together. We're going to play tennis tonight. Tennis later, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's good life. Yeah. Um, I can say, if I wasn't working with you and I met you, first glance, easiest going guy on the planet. Mm. Everything's carefree. We're all good. You know, that's, that's the person, that's the energy you bring, which is really good. Very, very calming. Yeah. But then watching you in action, you're the most OCD guy when it comes to every <laughs> minute little detail. Yeah. And... I would say you're as perfectionist as it comes to mm. to your work, the quality of your work. And how do you do that? Because I know myself, I, I, I'm very similar. Yeah. How do you reach that point where you're saying, I'm happy with it versus I can keep tweaking, keep tweaking? At what point do you let it go and saying, I'm happy with it? Um, that's, uh, that's the hardest part. Like, uh, God rest his soul, my dad, he said, if you're going to do something, just be the best at it. Like, like really, that's one piece of advice that I, that I took. And it's uh it's even harder in architectural photography like there are some people that will pay me a lot of money to like take a photo of their baby and i like you wouldn't believe like you see the work and the attention to detail that comes in in in, like a property shoot but if if there's just one photo to be had of a space brand new kitchen or something like that i might spend two hours shooting that i might light each individual piece of furniture and wood from a different light with a different modifier and then photoshop it all later and it might take five hours to edit that's when things get a little crazy um but when it comes to real estate it's like i i need there to be like no realistic complaint and i'm setting like a guideline in my head of where it's like okay what is reasonable because i could spend seven hours on one photo but you know they need 60 and uh they need to turn around in 24 hours like what is realistic and then i think i just got to be at least a little bit better than everybody else I, I, it's probably not a healthy thing to say but it's like if somebody else could do it i, I could definitely do it i could do it faster um so th- those have been my benchmarks and just 
um, how I've decided to. But if I see something that I don't know how to do, my brain will go crazy until I figure it out. And then I got to make sure it's repeatable and then train the staff and, and just do all that. But I just want to be the best at what I do. So it's, uh, it's good to have healthy competition or else I wouldn't be as good as I am now. Well, that being said, now that perfectly segues into the second question I had, because being a perfectionist then, yeah. how do you find the people you work with, mm. train them, and how do you delegate? Because it's such a fine art from a leadership standpoint, because mm. and I talk about with my partner, David Corman over at Corman's LLP, and you yeah. know, David says to me often, I can do this lease, for example, I can do it better, I can do it quicker, mm -hmm. but I have to learn how to let go and delegate and teach others, and yeah. I know it's going to take me a heck of a lot more time but I know at the end of the day, then I'm bringing them up that they're going to be able to take things on to, to help take my workload down. Yeah. But it's a very hard thing. And the longer you go without delegating, the harder it becomes. So how did you find as far as delegation in the professional realm for you? I think, and what was nice is about being so good at what you do as well, is um, getting over delegating. Like you have to realize nobody's going to do 100% of what you do as fast. They might do 80 if, if you're lucky. So you have to be so good that your 100 is just unreasonable. So like my 100% is seven hours on a photo. So 80% of that is still better than most. So if you're that good and you know that have that much knowledge and you can teach that well, it's um, you can kind of teach anybody. So when I hyper obsess about all these little things, it's like I've got a detailed like two page list of like how not to mess this up. Like there, there's no way you're going to mess it up. Like I know for every little detail of like how high things should be shot in the kitchen, how um high things should be in the bedroom um how much like symmetrically should the walls be to make everything look even how not to make the walls look wonky how to um just show everything in the best possible light and so it's it's very scientific and uh given enough time with someone I, that that is willing to take feedback so that, that's the biggest thing you want to make sure they're friendly and for what i do because they're going to be going into people's houses i've heard of photographers being complete jerks um walking out of appointments um and uh, one of the things I guess people like about me is I'm easygoing. I'm very polite and respectful. If if you send me somewhere on your behalf, I'm representing you. And uh, I got a guy that I send people to when they ask for mortgages. And whenever I get the call back, oh, I spoke with him. It's amazing. Oh, you know what you're doing. Like, I like to be that. So you send Cole or someone on Cole's team somewhere, um, you know, everything is going to be okay. So I, I just look for, you know, um, people that can take feedback and, you know, just friendly overall people and uh, everybody I work with, uh, I seem to find as a friend. I, I just don't want any negative energy. Um, I'm not super into all that, but yeah, it just needs to be good vibes and I teach you and you say yes, <laughs> and then we can go from there. Well, you and I have a very common uh, denominator in that mm -hmm. we work with a lot of realtors, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're an interesting bunch. Yeah. Let's yeah. be frank. Yeah, very, very interesting bunch. Like <laughs> if you've ever gone to galas, you know, yeah. Christmas dinners oh, for, yeah. for brokerages, <laughs> realtors are just the most interesting people there are. <laughs> and um, it, it kind of like there's a trickle down effect mm -hmm. because when I talk to other suppliers and we are suppliers, let's face it, like yeah. we're no different than the gardener yeah. or the 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 uh, the. Um, the ad agency guy, you know, yeah. we're all supplying businesses, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And from the realtors end of things, you know, when they tend to be tense, it's because somebody's being tense with them. There's a whole trickle down effect. So, yeah. and especially, and, I, and one thing I, I, I sit and educate a lot of realtors, especially the new ones. And I tell them, you know, sometimes you're working with a client and they may have very unrealistic expectations. Yeah. They just don't get it. Yeah. You need to educate them. You need to stop it immediately and you need to bring the train back. Yeah. But if you let the train leave the station, an unrealism, then it's going to go out of control. Yeah. And now 
everybody's mad at everybody. And that's yeah. not going to be cool because it, the results won't be there. Yeah. And so we learn to work together. And there are some people that can kind of calm it down. Yeah. And there are other people that just, you know, fly off the handle every single transaction. Dude, the and they're yeah. just, and then afterwards, like, hey, buddy, it's all good, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, great. You know, they're the best. So working in the world of real estate and working in the world of realtors, hmm. there's every, is there ever come to a point that you've seen a property and you said, yeah, I can't do this property. This is just, I cannot help you. Like, it's like so, the, it's not on fire, but it's so bad that like I can't make anything out of this. And have there been people that you said, we just simply can't work together. Do you ever count those? Two, two stories. One. Uh, we won't name names, by the way. We will not name names. Scariest shoot of my life. Uh, I Mississauga home, little bungalow. It's for rent. Uh, I am subcontracting for another company at this time. This is before I found my own company and all that. And I show up and this guy answers the door. And uh, like even right now, I was punching the bag. I've got a little bit of like a bruise on my knuckle. This guy had like three millimeter deep gashes in all of his knuckles he was visibly drunk he was like a little loopy he did not want to leave and i realized that i am somewhere on the team of people that are going to get him out of this house at some point and i see a fireman's axe <laughs> and i still walked into that house and i still shot the shit out of that place and it didn't look great um the agent came like a half an hour later i'm like oh, bro like where were you this was very scary uh he's been complaining about you and his landlord and i didn't want him to take it out on me um that was something that i don't think there was anything i could do i mean i made that place look big and bright and it was still a total mess and they were unrealistically putting that on me I'm like dude i showed up uh, you wanted me to shoot this place as your tenant as whatever but, but you still shot it i still shot it i still, still shot, shot it. it i still went into that creepy basement with that man and listened to his stories and tried to calmly just oh yes 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 tell me more tell me more okay cool bye bye uh and, and got out of there safely and uh so that was the worst uh property and still like i'll do my best for it and and people say like oh it's not worth taking the uh shots of some of these but no it's like the photo isn't also just to help sell the place it's to help sell you and what you're willing to do for any home so I mean, that realtor, as much as they were unhappy with those photos, anybody else that saw like, oh, even on this place, they still paid for professional photos and did a good job and did the best of their abilities, um, you know, with with a tenant there. Like, of course, it couldn't be staged. So there was that. And then um, another story. Uh, worst client I ever had. Uh, this guy was a referral from a friend and he had he wanted photo, video and drone of a place. Um, stuff I all do great. A uh, beautiful home. I think it was the biggest listing he's had. Um, so he was excited and uh, was trying to nickel and dime me. It's those people. Like, there's people that will pay you what you want and believe in you and say, okay, I don't, no problems. Just, just do your thing. And then there's everybody else. Oh, yeah, cheaper, please. And, and what about this? Do this. So we put together this great video for him. Um, and we include revisions, right? If you get a video with me, I might miss the mark on exactly what you want. Usually you should just leave it up to me because I know what looks good and, mm -hmm. and I'm taking things into account that you might not realize, but I will take a revision and, and do it. And so we did that. And then there's another one and another one. So like we're three revisions in, I've done like six hours of video editing. Uh, meanwhile, people will pay me like 80, a hundred dollars an hour to do this, but I'm just doing it for free for this $400 video that it worked out to be. And, uh, and then he asks if he can have a, uh, a banner at the end doesn't want to pay for it and i said okay yeah like we can whip something together for you and uh and you know just something simple in canva whatever uh so we finally after like five revisions later he says okay i'm happy with it i get an email two 
two days later, I spoke to my partner. We don't like the video. Can we have these revisions? I'm like, no. Okay, first of all, like you're gonna have to pay in advance for X amount of hours to edit. Like I didn't know how to handle this, and this is one thing as a small business owner, um, you you get into these weird situations. But right. I, I stood my ground. I said, no, you're being a little, a little, uh, a little unrealistic. You said it was great. Now you've gone and spoke to someone else. You can at least pay me to to edit this. And then he said, oh, like I paid seven hundred dollars, and this is the 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 screen you gave me. I paid seven hundred dollars for that. I'm like, dude, that's the free thing that you got. I, I did such and such uh, amount of edits for you. Um, you didn't want to, like you weren't happy or you were happy and then you were unhappy. Um, like at this point, I, I don't really want to hear from you again. And uh, he started to try and blackmail me. He said, and this is all in emails. Like, um, Those are the best. Yeah. Well, it's was, it was funny because once he said it in an email, I was just like, I CC'd my friend that forwarded to me. I'm like, hey, buddy, uh, I'm about to lose it. Um, your friend will read this. Uh, he's now blackmailing me, saying he's going to leave bad reviews. He's going to like spread my name around like poorly. He's going to say this. I'm like, he paid for all this. I gave him one thing free. He's upset with how it looks. Like, go find a designer. Uh, that was the worst I will never work with. Mm -hmm. uh, that was insane. But it was also, it was super nice. I felt this was, this was one of my clients. And I was finally at a point where I could say, you know what? Mm, kick rocks. I don't need you. I'm not going to deal with this. Spread my name however you want. That was a, a, a successful moment. I, I first client I told to kick rocks. That was that was good. And people know when they hear from certain people, they also should think about the source. Yeah. Like think about those people that give bad Google reviews, for example. Yeah. You know, they don't think about the business. They don't think how hard somebody worked. They're like, I'm gonna show them, so I'm gonna give a bad review. Yeah. And then you go look in their profile, and every single review is terrible. This is the worst shawarma house. This was the worst tire place. This is the worst Harvey's. Yeah. Everything is terrible. Yeah. Am I really going to rely on this person for their Google? It's almost like you, you know if you made it when you've had these kind of people giving you reviews. So <laughs> yeah, they're just out there. Yeah. But if you get 500 reviews and they're all five stars, mm -hmm. you got to question that at some point too. Because yeah. realistically, it's not, we're not all robots. Mm -hmm. So things will happen. Yeah. But there are some people that just cannot help themselves. Yeah. You know, I recall somebody that once called me up for a... Uh, quote on a refinance. Okay. So, and I gave him a good rate, yeah. you know, and he calls me up. He says, uh, like two days later, he says, look, um, I, I, I'm good. I would like to work with you. Yeah. Can you do it for half? And I said to him, for the amount of money you're going to pay, I'm willing to notarize two pieces of paper for you. That's it. I will not close a transaction for that. You're, you actually don't want to pay anything, really. Yeah. No one's going to do this. Yeah. If somebody will, it's probably a law firm over a convenience store. Mm -hmm. Go to them. I would rather not take your business and not get paid. Yeah. You know why? Because you're not going to pay me anything. You're going to expect 100 times more service. Mm -hmm. I'm better off not working, not getting paid and losing money, mm -hmm. meditating on life. I will come up with much better ideas during meditation that would stressing for your file that you're not going to even pay and you're still not going to be happy. And I know this. Yeah. Because there's those type of clients. Those are the ones where they say the equation, 10% of your clients are going to be 90% of your headaches. Yeah. You get rid of the worst 10%, life is so good. Yeah. And then you get those clients that call you up and say, are you available? Mm -hmm. I've heard you're really good. Can I work with you, please? Yeah. You work with them. You give them the bill. Oh, you're very fair. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then they call you up like a month later or something. I really enjoyed working with you. Would you be able to take me on again as a client? Those are amazing. Yeah. Those are what you want in life. you know. And that's oh, what yeah. I tell everybody. But yet there's this perception that the squeaky uh, wheel gets the grease, you know? Mm, and it's yeah. those good people that don't complain that they get shuffled over. Yeah. And it's the complainers that are getting everything. And I would say that is false. 
Because mm-hmm. what the complainers don't understand is you want top service, you don't want to pay, you're going to the bottom of the list. Oh yeah. And the people that give a good appreciation and a good relationships, yeah. they're the ones that are gonna be at the forefront. That's how life works. I'm sorry to break the people. Oh yeah. That's how it should be. Because at the end of the day, you know, when I sit with a lawyer, for example, and I tell them, and I can tell these people in any profession right now, yeah. if you're going to hire somebody for your respective and your service industry, yeah. what is their job first and foremost? I believe it's to build relationships. Yeah. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? Relationship selling. Yeah, it's- people that are working with you, they're with you, Cole, mm-hmm. because they like you and they want to work with you. That's all yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. I, I think it's really important that, you know, you, you want to make someone feel valued like you're right somebody who is just nickel and diming me like they go to the bottom of the list uh but somebody like you know you're a very like valued patron like you pay like you don't ask questions you see how hard i work and like there's no way if you were nickel diming me that like you know i would fix these problems immediately but it's like like i value you as a customer and as a friend and and the critiques you have are valid and i want to fix them as opposed to where it's like if you if you okay, I want this, this, and this fixed, and I also don't want to pay you this, and I kind of want to pay you less because the last thing happened. No, it's like, okay, you didn't ask for any sort of discount. I'll take 100% of what I made in profit from that and even like not pay myself and go figure out how to make you feel even better on the next time and, and to just problem solve with the, with the profit. But they, they don't want you to have any profit, and they want you to somehow get better and do better, and it just doesn't make sense. Like You got to really support businesses. So I never pay on the results, so to speak. Because mm. I know the results will be there. In yeah. my mind, the results will be there yeah. if I see effort. I pay for effort. Yeah. So when I'm working with somebody in any industry, whether it's a service or good, yeah. I want to know that they care about me. Mm-hmm. They're taking me seriously. And I want to know that we're working together towards something. I look at the big picture. Yeah. In my mind, if we're doing 100 things together, if we're going to be amazing by number 100, I'm good as, there, as long as there's a progression. Yeah. When I see at the point that I am no longer valid, I'm not getting my calls returned anymore, mm-hmm. the product is not there anymore or the product's lowering, yeah. I'm done. But when I know someone's taking me seriously and they'll work with me, there's a lot of value because not everybody will work with you. Not yeah. everybody will take in feedback. Not everybody will work and gel with you to develop your thing better. Yeah. When they're like, listen, I'm the expert. Like, I love lawyers that I work with. Even lawyers call back, call me back. Yeah. Listen, I'm the lawyer. What year of call are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 20 years. You? And, you know, <laughs> you're going to teach me law, buddy? Okay, that's fair. Let's do that. But on the same, you know, when somebody's talking down to you, mm-hmm. it says, I know better. I'm going to tell you what you need. And I'm oh. going to tell you because then some people will respond to that. They're like, okay, you're the lawyer. I don't know. Yeah. It should not be like that. We should be talking like this and figuring out solutions together. Yeah. People want to feel part of the process. Yeah. When they feel that way and there's a good relationship, they'll want to keep working with the person. When they feel intimidated, I know I've worked with service people. Yeah. Like it came, it came to the point that I know they're not even talking to me anymore. We're done. Like we're not even at that kind of level anymore. That scares me. Okay. You know, but I know people get busy. Yeah. When I get a response back, an email back the same day, next day, that carries a lot of weight with me. And I mm-hmm. tell you at the end of the day, you and your team are fantastic that way because you all work together, you gel. Yeah. And that's where, you know, beyond photo and video, I got to ask you because I know about the latest venture. We've just talked about it. You, you've been in property management for some time. Yeah. And now the hot topic is Airbnbs. Yeah. yeah. And you're doing those as well. Yeah. The Airbnbs are fun. It's uh, I actually, I always like there, there was a show and I think it was like vacation property or something like that, but they did the math and you know, you, you hope that you buy a condo or a house and, and that it cash flows or it's neutral. I don't think that happens in Toronto, but the nicest thing about um, 
cottages. I love cottages, especially as a businessman now. It's like, you know, you want to like work hard and then go away for the weekend. I don't have one yet, but I got a buddy that has one and, and I love that lifestyle and I love being by the water. And so it's it's super romantic idea to have this vacation home and to also be able to make money with it and to secure your future. Um, you know, there's uh, I was watching some videos and people say, like, you just need like three properties in Canada. And then that's like that's your retirement. That's all you need. And you can retire. And so to build that with Airbnb and to to make sure like it's just more problems to solve. You want to make sure that people can get in remotely. You need to make sure cleaners are there. You need to make sure you have tradespeople. You got to make sure that there's a phone number that they can call. And so like to provide that all for somebody that, you know, wants to buy this property that they couldn't otherwise afford to make that happen, to make them happy, to make guests happy and to hear them as well. Like that's a super fun and fulfilling job. And, and I really like doing that. So if anybody wants more, uh, I, I would love more clients. If anybody wants help with uh, managing their Airbnb, uh, that's what we do at uh, Crane Property Management. And it's, uh, it's super fun. I will be telling people that, and I tell them every episode, you know, hit that subscribe button, mm -hmm. notification bell, comment on the videos you know you've heard things that you agree disagree we love the feedback we love interacting with the people people send all sorts of funny comments yeah i give them funny comments back i just want me responding actually because i just i love it yeah you know they're like why is this person on my screen get off of here you know why is this 90 year old man i'm like i think i look good for 90 yeah. you know <laughs> but uh yeah you gotta love those hecklers oh, yeah. but uh, we will have your contact information certainly in any respect of things that you do Cole. i highly encourage people to work with you because you're just freaking amazing oh, thank you. and I, I gotta ask you because you know it's funny like i I know, for example, let's say you have a client that purchased a condo unit yeah. and they have a long-term tenant in there, one mm. year plus. Yeah. What are we doing there? Like, you know, versus an Airbnb, mm. okay, we got to pay the maintenance fee. We got to make sure the property taxes are paid. They got to pay their mortgage. Yeah. Got to make sure we're collecting the rent once a month. Yeah. If they have any questions or something breaks, you know, but Airbnb is what, a thousand times as much work than having a, a long-term yeah, it's it's a lot tougher. Like we would charge like maybe ten percent for uh, like a condo or a house, and it's a long term tenant, and we you know we're covering those risks that you say. But also, if the tenant um, stops paying, we we handle the forms that need to go out. We will help find you a new one. We'll vet the tenant, so hopefully you don't deal with anything bad like that. Airbnb, oh my god, like the wear and tear. You don't want it to mess up the house, so you need cleaners there all the time, and and it's almost like an Airbnb is like a, uh, an even better property than a home because a home, like, you know, maybe you're not cleaning it all. There's a professional cleaner in there almost every day, or at least every, uh, between every visit, um, you know, stuff goes bad. Maybe the, maybe there's a leak, maybe somebody gets locked out of something. Maybe the, the power um, is out or the, you know, the switch needs, uh, the breaker switch needs to be fixed or, um, you know, if somebody locks themselves out or, I'm trying to think of like some of the worst case scenarios. We had a uh, one with a, a really bad, um, the water got backed up and then it started leaking. And then oh, so boy. we had to like dispatch people. Um, we found out, I think, uh, you know, 7 p.m. So uh, there's just way, way, way more possible bad outcomes that happen with an Airbnb. And it's it's nothing to be scared of when you're doing it. It's just, it's also having a cottage, it's an older property. It's not in a building that's maintained. So it, it's gotta be maintained. And uh, we handle all that, and it's uh, it's it's not much more expensive. I think it's uh, well, you can email us for that, and uh, we'll go through that. But not to dissuade people, obviously. Mm -hmm. But no. you know, it's funny because people who aren't in it, there's two groups. Yeah. There's the ones that say, "Oh, it's the easiest money on the planet to do rentals. It's free money. You know, it's got got to do nothing." Mm -hmm. And then they say that about long-term rentals, and they say that about Airbnbs. Other yeah. ones like, "Oh, it's so scary. So much can go wrong. It's not for me. I don't like risk." 
Yeah. And you know, it's funny, you 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 crunch the numbers. Yeah. If you're in a jurisdiction where you got an Airbnb, if let's say it's a little detached house, for example, yeah. and you can rent it out to somebody, let's say for three thousand dollars a month. Yeah. If you're in an area touristy and you can Airbnb the thing, like you're looking at potentially ten times the amount of income, potentially you know, yeah, five times yeah, at least. At least three, yeah, yeah. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times as much. It, it's astronomical, yeah. but on the same token, you know. Uh, you hear these horror stories in the media where somebody rented as a long-term uh, tenant. They went and put up walls and they created a boarding house. Yeah. You have ones where the people don't pay their rent and the tribunal's backed up and you can't kick the person out. You hear all these kind of things in Airbnb. There's all grow ops. Yeah. And then you have Airbnbs and there's parties and trashing and this and that. But you know what I always tell people, don't get too fascinated with what the media says because they're looking for the one bad instant and they're yeah. trying to make it seem like that's all of them. Yeah. You know, I've stayed at like 30 Airbnbs in my life and I love it. You know, I get yeah. to, and I do my research. I know which ones are the good looking ones. I, I check out the, I bet the host ahead of time. I read the reviews. Mm-hmm. I look at the area they're in, you know, and I've never had nothing but a good experience basically. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, but I can only imagine when I heard you, you're into that as far as managing side of things. Yeah. There's a lot of communications, right? People yeah. with strange requests, I'm sure. And making sure it flows. And what happens if the cleaner doesn't show up? Yeah. Somebody's got to be available at all times. Last minute booking. Yeah. And (laughs) the ones I've heard from people is when you have somebody check out, check in at the same day. Yeah. Now we're running a Sheridan here. (laughs) We have the cleaning crew going. Yeah. When we're running an Airbnb, it's not so simple, right? Yeah. It's high stakes. You want to make sure everything's looking good. You want good reviews. You, You can't really afford to give someone a bad stay. And so, like, it's a lot more work and, and all profit is derived from risk. That's one of my favorite sayings. And it's not just financial risk, but, you know, you need to have somebody available there, which means either you have someone on payroll or on call. And if you have one or two properties like this, if you're the type that likes to keep busy and talk to people, then it is it, it's no pain at all. But if, if you don't like that stuff and you already work hard and you want to spend time with family, um, the nice thing about having a business and staff is we've reached critical mass where it's no problem. Somebody's going to answer that phone. We have cleaners we can reach out to. We have hungry tradespeople that want work. Like those problems get solved easy. But if it's just you and it's, you know, uh, I'm a plumber, but I also have this place and I don't want to worry about it or like it can ruin your life because now you have two jobs and, and you're not very skilled in this. And, and maybe you don't like, you know, organizing all of these people um, coming in and out and making sure like, yeah, that, that when they check out, at 11 and that next person's coming in at four and you you know somebody's asking to check out late and somebody's asking to come in early it, it can get tight and you, you want to be nice to everybody and you want to make sure everybody's having a good time but keeping a firm ground and making sure they understand that the cleaners got to go in there like you know uh it's it's definitely complex and fun and is i think it's worth the you know call it 5x versus a, a long-term rental I will tell you the one horror story I had from a hotel perspective. And that's oh. funny because people say all the Airbnb horror stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've only had really great experiences. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, you, you think that hotels are safe and everything else. I'll tell you the one story. I, if I didn't live this, yeah. I wouldn't even believe it. Really? So I went to Montreal one time for a weekend. Yeah. I checked in very, very late. It was yeah. like late afternoon yeah. and early evening. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I, tr- I come into the room and it's a very luxury hotel like yeah. very very luxury so and i've stayed there before and i like the area easy parking it's very accessible and if anybody's ever gone to montreal uh quebec canada mm-hmm. if you're staying in the core downtown in a nice hotel it ain't easy getting rooms period yeah and in a nice place yeah. so i check in i go straight into bed i go to sleep 
Yeah. It's now 10, 11 o'clock at night and I wake up and I've slept in a bad period. Like, you know, it's like now I'm in no man's land, but I'm like, okay, at least I got my, cause I was exhausted. Yeah. I turn on the lights yeah. and first thing I see, my bed sheet is covered in blood all over. And I'm like, oh, oh my Lord, somebody's taking my kidney or something. Like I'm oh, freaking oh, out. Like I figured I was bleeding yeah. all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no blood on me. Oh. I start touching the sheet. Yeah. It was dried blood. Oh. I call up right away to the front desk and I said, don't even bother coming. Send the manager immediately. <laughs> and I said, the manager, right? Yeah. I said to him, take a look at this bed. He's like, what did you do? I said, I slept in it. That's it. I explained him the story. Yeah, yeah. I said, how is this humanly possible for a cleaner to see this covered in blood? Think it's washed? <laughs> and let's just put it all in the... And, the, and, and he had no answers. Like, yeah. it was just, like, you know, it blew his mind. So they looked after me at the end of it. Yeah. But it goes to show you, you never, there's never guarantees anywhere in life wherever you're staying. Yeah. And that's where, you know, in fact, when you're going to go to an Airbnb, somebody's going to go above and beyond, in fact. Yeah. And, you know, you're no longer just a number. Like the people mm-hmm. that I know that host, yeah. this is their baby. Like they depend yeah. on it. And they're going above and beyond. They're like, I'm going to leave little gifts and I'm going to make sure and I'm going to uh, put sites and attractions for people to go to. Yeah. Like, it's the kind of things you don't get hold at hotels. So yeah. it's quite cool. But I'll ask you then from your end as we're wrapping up today, Cole, most people doing what you do from photo and video yeah. struggle to keep up with the demand, struggle as far as staffing wise, meeting customer expectations. You're going above and beyond. And then you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go more industries. Like <laughs> every time it feels like you've reached your max, mm-hmm. you're like, I see another opportunity. I see something that there's people aren't doing right or I can make it better. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, I know we, that's part of why we get along as type A personalities yeah. and we feel that need to constantly take on more. Mm-hmm. But how do you reach that point where you're saying, you know, I want to be on another industry related versus keeping with wh- what you're doing currently? Um, I, I enjoy the chaos. I, I, I feel like I can thrive in it. Like it, it is good. Like with my like ADD to just always be problem solving. And to see those other opportunities, like I see a problem and most people don't like problems. Some people see they want to buy a house and there's so many problems with it. There's a problem tenant in it and something needs to be fixed and, and there's asbestos in the walls. And I just think, oh, great. All these problems that other people won't put up with and I will make money from. And if I keep doing that, ideally, I hit that critical mass point where I've got enough profit in all things to where I can deploy resources. So really, I, I'm, I enjoy it as long as I can find other people that also want to wear multiple hats and grow and learn and do all these things. It's, it's really hard if you've got someone that like, I just want to do this one thing. I just want to take photos. I don't want to edit. I don't want to do video. I just want to like only do this one thing. I, you can't do that. And, and those aren't the type of people that I can employ yet. You know, one day um, it'll be nice to have people that only do that. But if you've got like a badass group of people and they're willing to just, you know, be part of the cause and, you know, okay, we got property management, we've got the brokerage, we've got the studio space, um, we've got the property photography and videography and the drone stuff and the 3D. And so they're all close enough. But I, I think once I, I have more money and, and more of a foundation, I will start to like get into like weirder and different and like totally like, oh, why can't I own a plumbing business? I know some plumbers that don't want to do sales. I know some salespeople that have nothing to sell. Like, let's do that too. And so I think it's just going to get crazier. Well, let me ask you, do you operate off of a one year, 
two year, five year, 10 year. Like I can tell you when I look at myself, I actually write down tangible goals yeah. and I operate on that one year, two year, five years, 10 year. Mm-hmm. And that helps motivate me. Yeah. Very often it gets done quicker yeah. or more gets added to it. Mm-hmm. How far ahead do you look when you create the planning for you? Um, I generally will set like a one year goal and usually it's something like I want to triple everything just because it, it seemed manageable a couple of times. Um, like, like it's happened. Uh, I don't know if I will triple the, you know, business growth uh, year over year again. Uh, but I, that's one thing I need your help with uh, is probably setting these goals. I'm sure they're, they're good and, and they can keep you motivated when, you know, you, when you're not feeling motivated, you have a clear vision. Um, but for now, I, I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of staying afloat. And there's, uh, there's a saying like if there's a bunch of rivers and you're just trying to stay forward, you don't know where you're going to go. And so I, I think I need a little more structure like that. But my, uh, I take solace in the idea that I'm just always working, always trying to do something. So at least I'm going forward, but it, it would be nice to have some direction and to, to be able to evaluate, uh, the path I'm on and to see what mistakes were made. Because those are things you can't do when you're chasing 20 different things. You make mistakes and you're hoping that it's a net positive, but you know, you can get lost in the sauce pretty easily. I can tell you when you're reading my future book, there'll be a chapter on manifestation. Yeah. You may want to flip directly to that one. Yeah. Manifestation is a very, very big thing Yeah. that I think a lot of people discount. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you, you know, I, I always give the example, like, for example, you like sports, I like sports. It's like, I, I read about Andreescu when she won uh, the US Open. Yeah she envisioned herself winning it she watched herself in her mind how she was playing against williams and she saw herself beating her saw exactly where the shots were going to go and she manifested that Mm -hmm. and envisioning and you can do that in any aspect of life but when you can actually see yourself like for example somebody wants a yacht yeah you put a picture of a yacht on your wall picture yourself on the yacht photoshop yourself onto the yacht if all you picture yourself is on the yacht and manifest it, at some point you're going to be on the yacht. I mean, yeah. you may not fully own it, but you'll <laughs> yeah. get there, you know? And I think that's a really, really big thing. So yeah. there's one thing, a little secret I'm going to tell you ahead of time is we're going to work. And that's a lot of yoga and meditation really helps with that. Okay. Manifestation is huge. And as we're wrapping up today, Cole, uh, yeah. congratulations are in order. <laughs> so in, in between all this stuff, as far as the hundred industries you're in, you also got engaged recently. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's uh, it's a really exciting, uh, love of my life came back from Brazil, uh, a couple of years ago and, uh, I'm excited to start that chapter. Uh, she's, you know, my rock, you see her all the time. She's helping out, uh, she, anything she can for for the team like it's, it's amazing <laughs> when we first met and we were talking and i knew how ambitious you were professionally wise mm-hmm. and i was saying i don't know this person yet but are you sure about this are you yeah. sure that you want to jump into all the waters and then once i met her and worked with her yeah. i said i get it okay yeah, yeah no, no i get it great choice a plus because yeah. especially when you can work together and you can understand one another and you can feed off one another and encourage each other and grow that's really really important in life you know and and yeah. Especially, in, I would say, professionally versus personally, a lot of people have to make that choice of one or the other. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, when you get held back professionally, there can be a lot of resentment. And that's a tough thing in life. So, yeah. at the end of the day, where you can have your cake and eat it too, which yeah. I'm not really sure what that means, but I, <laughs> I, like the idea. I love cake. I want to have the cake, but I want to eat the cake. So, I guess that's what it is. So <laughs> I, but I, if I eat it, the cake is gone. So I don't really know that's how that works. That's why the real saying is I want to eat my cake and have it too, because you can't eat it and have it, but you want to. 
you want to eat it and then still have it with you. But I want the kind of cake that I can put in the freezer, maybe like those delicious, like, you know, mocha, the you know, cane chocolate cakes. the tea cakes, you know, that they're just there <laughs> so I can eat my cake, but I still got plenty of cake. So the secret is have lots of cake, eat it, enjoy it, but have more in the reserves. So I'm glad <laughs> that you're finding that balance, my friend. And honestly, thank you so much. The Chosen Life thanks to you because without us coming together yeah. and without us building our friendship and our personal relationship and professional relationship, I don't know that Chosen Life is where it is today. Mm -hmm. So you've been a big part of that. So thank you from behind the scenes and now coming out in the forefront. Yeah, yeah. And I really encourage people that you're in real estate, in life. You know, there's a lot of things that Cole's involved in real estate. You need photo, you need video. This is your guy. You look after everybody. Everybody works with you, loves you. And, you know, you're doing a lot of good in this world. You're working really hard and the results are there. So thumbs up to Cole and for your journey. Uh, going into the future immediately wise, besides obviously the wedding uh, and, and, and building more of the career, uh, any immediate plans or things we can you can share with us? Um, uh, I'll talk to you after. I do want to buy another. I want to buy another business right now. Um, no, I, uh, I just want to, I'm going to take this winter and I think everybody should like, especially if you're in a business, like, I don't know if yours slows down, but most of it's real estate. So I'm assuming I'm going to take winter, kind of gather my thoughts, come up with a game plan, reevaluate, and then try and hit next year. Like, uh, you know, like I deserve to, um, so n nothing crazy now. Like we're just going into cold season. I I'm assuming there's going to be a good drop and, going to train and uh, and you know take notice of everything going on write everything down try and come up with some goals and manifestations and uh we'll just see where uh the year takes us well i told you off air that when you're ready you know i love organization and productivity yeah and to-do lists and all that jazz so mm -hmm. when you're ready to sit down with me i'm here i'm putting on the air i'm putting that <laughs> out there so we're gonna sit down and show you how i do it and yeah. you know i really love to get the tools for people to see them succeed and yeah. man like you you're gonna hit the moon man where yeah. you're headed and hard work will always win out period like yeah. you know it's obviously good to have talent and have experience yeah. but you got that drive and that hustle that will always win out so man kudos to you <laughs> thank you <laughs> and looking forward to as we go into season two of the chosen life yeah and where we're headed yeah. and uh, we just had talia richie on recently in studio she yeah. was awesome yeah. and we'll see who's going to come out of the woodwork and uh mm -hmm. talk more about lifestyle oh i'm excited it's going to get there for us yeah, I'm excited to see all the, the guests you have coming up. I like I really enjoy like all the different people you bring on. So it's thanks for having me here and thanks for having me behind the scenes. It's uh it's exciting. And next time we're gonna see you on camera, it's gonna be you <laughs> interviewing me. So yeah, the tables yeah. are gonna get turned. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I'll I'll run the show next time. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So as we yeah. sign off, you know what we do at the end? We pull okay. out the arms and we say, Keep on living the chosen life. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>